Who needs an alarm in the morning when McDonald's has sausage, egg, and cheese McGriddles and a breakfast cutoff? Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. You are now listening to the Paging Dr. Shonda podcast, where we talk all things related to mental health, life lessons, and the culture. My goal is to help each and every listener pursue and center wellness. I'm your host, Dr. Shonda, licensed clinical psychologist. Now let's get into it. Somebody say it's a confidence for me. It's a confidence for me. I'm just going to say it confidently. Say it's the confidence for me. It's the confidence for me. Um, and based on those traumas that we experienced during slavery, some of those same behaviors, the attitudes, um, you know, the belief systems that we adopted as slaves can be passed down to generations after that. Um, and that is why we see like the hyper. Yeah, amen. You're a treasure, um, Dr. Chandra Reynolds. Yeah. Uh, thank you so I'm much. Shutting up and listening. I'm learning so much. And we are live. What's going on, everybody? You are now tuned in to the Page and Dr. Shonda podcast, where we talk about all things related to mental health the culture, and overall wellness. Y'all, I'm so excited for today because I have some amazing, amazing guests who came all the way down from Philly in North Jersey to be here with the podcast. And so, fellas, I'm wondering if y'all can introduce yourselves. Yes, uh, my name is D. Reed. Well, my name is Douglas Reed, uh, a.k.a. D. Reed. Uh, retired military, retired out of Federal Bureau of Prisons. Uh, uh, went through Black Man Hill as a client, and now I am a mental health advocate. Love it. And I am Reggie Howard, Senior Program Coordinator at Black Man Hill. I was one of the uh, one of the first people that got that uh, free therapy for Black Men uh, call. So I was in the first cohort, and you know, been on the team for about two years now. So I wanted to, I wanted to serve the organization that served me. That is so amazing. Just to hear that free therapy is being afforded, especially to black people, especially to black men like that really just makes my heart smile. And just to see that there are people who benefited from that program who are reaching back in order to help further develop and organize the program. I think that's amazing, fellas. And I really do want to give you your flowers like right now on the podcast because y'all are doing great work. Appreciate it. Absolutely. Thank you. And thank you for having us, too. For sure. Y'all excited? Absolutely. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> okay. So let's get into it then. Listen, I, I was telling D. Reed that it's literally been a long time coming. Like I've I've been wanting to have Black Men Hill on the podcast because again, like this is this is amazing. Like black men are in need of the services that y'all are providing. Y'all are doing an amazing work. Like it's it's legit. Like I, I love it. And that really leads me to my first segment. So if you all have been listeners of the Paging Dr. Shonda podcast, you all know that the first segment is the hot off the press segment. That is where we talk about mental health in the news and pop culture. Not everybody gets their news from the shade room. There are other news sources out there. So I want us to expand our reach and to talk about other things that are happening in the world, especially as it relates to black people. So I was actually, fellas, I was looking at some uh, research online, uh, specifically from a news source, I believe in the D.C. area. And they were talking about how suicide rates are increasingly and alarmingly rising in black men specifically. And I think that definitely uh, that that definitely pushes back on that statement that, oh, suicide is a white thing. I don't know if y'all ever heard that people say that before, uh, but I heard it a lot, especially kind of growing up and, you know, being younger and hearing people talk about suicide as if it was just a white thing. And so I'm wondering, based on the research that's coming out about this, I wonder if that sparks any thoughts for you and 
uh, how we can start to mitigate that. You want me to go, D. Reed? I can lead yeah, go ahead. Go ahead, lead off. And, and I know why D. Reed wanted to go with me going first because just of my story. I had two suicide attempts in my uh, previous, I guess, earlier life um, that stimulated of not thinking therapy or mental health was for me. And just, you know, within the black community, um, just thinking like, all right, well, if I sleep it off or pray it away or whatever the case may be, then I'll start to feel better. And so um, um, a lot of the times it's what you said. uh when you don't get the mental health resources or you don't know, you don't connect the two between it. Um, so I was on a bridge and I also went from cutting also went to taking, uh, you know, medication to try to, you know, overdose and all these different things that just try to numb pain. And with a lot of the times when we see things within our community, like I hear, uh, I'm old enough to know better, but young enough to still relate. So I still hear it in all the music and all what the young, the young boys is listening to, where that is all pain and they I don't even think they even realize that it's like oh we probably need to be at a crisis center we probably need to be at a therapy office we probably need to be in all these different places but again um and that's sort of why I think Black Hill exists is because we have to make it look like what we need to, to get the healing from and so stepping up as an advocate is to speak for those voices that is like nah bro this this is where, you know, where we relate to this. This is for you. Like, no, we need this because we need to be healed, healed in our community. That's sort of why we go, we go on our uh, King's Corner tour is to bring healing to them corners of the communities and trying to make sure that brothers know, like, no, we need this. This is for us. Um, and we need to get the healing so we can bring it back to our families. Yeah. And I, I mean, Reg, yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah. Cause Reg has a, an amazing story. Uh, and then even for myself, you know, you kind of stated before, like, uh, you know, the suicide being a white thing, you know, I'm, I'm a baby boomer, you know, so we didn't talk much about suicide within the black community at all. Uh, and then to hear the vulnerability now, uh, how people are talking about it. But then, you know, once again, how uh, through society and everything that we go through within our society, how it's affecting us, you know, for a young man, you know, to have, you know, be wanting to take his life because of the struggles or what they're dealing with, you know, so I, I, I find it, you know, I found it kind of, you know, confusing for the simple fact that, you know, in our earlier time, you know, we didn't talk about it, but now we're talking about it, but yet our numbers increase though, you know, so, you know, what kind of signs are those, those are those giving us, you know, what are, what are the signs? And then how do we, you know, based on, I, I never had a suicide attempt, but talking to people and just listening and just being educated, you know, like they, they say, you're not going to stop somebody from having suicide. That has to come from themselves. But, you know, what do we do for that prevention? Or what are the, some, some of the things that we can actually prepare ourselves with our loved ones to make sure that they're in a, a space where they feel they feel comforted uh, and they're able to deal with whatever struggles they have? Yeah. Yeah. And, and so, like, I, I love how you bring up the preventative nature of this work. Because I think it's great for us to have like the research and the statistics talking about what the numbers look like pertaining to black men and suicide. The panel discussions are great. Like all these things are amazing. But also we need to do the work. That's why the roles that you fellas have is so important. It's so imperative for us to have people who are in the trenches, who are actually going to these different community settings in order to pour out to these people and to pour out to black men and to let them know, you know, I've experienced emotions before too. I've had two suicide attempts as well. And so that's why I think like what what y'all are doing, I can't say it enough. I think that's why it's like so profound. Yeah. 
Um, Reggie, can you tell us a bit more about your your suicide attempts? Yeah, no, and I, I, I nothing is never off limit with me with those with okay. those stories because I, I definitely want to make sure I help somebody because it it came from not having my father in my life, the pressure of becoming a father, and not wanting to be like a deadbeat, but also don't want to be a present deadbeat that's just there that can't do nothing for your child. And so I felt my children were better, or my child at the time. I have two sons now, but the, my oldest son at the time was. Um, better off without me because at least I wouldn't have that pressure. And a lot of the times I try to explain to people that don't understand the suicide ideation is that you just want the pain to stop. It's not that you don't want to be here. You feel like the only way of not uh, the pain to stop is to not be here. And so it just was the pressure of becoming a father, becoming, uh, become not, not wanting to uh, create the broken household that I came from. And me and my, my now wife and who is my son's mother are now together, but that wasn't when we were 19 being a first time father, first time parents and trying to figure it out. Um, and that pressure was just surmounting and, and, and it led to me like texting a few of my friends, like, take care of my son. I don't want to be here anymore. And luckily the friends got me off the bridge, but that still didn't give me a job. Still didn't give me a car. Still didn't get me out of my mom house. It still didn't give me the things and tools that I needed to be, um, you know, a, a whole healthy human being. What I now know is I should have been in someone's crisis center because I was ready to check out. Like I was going and I remember the feeling. And if I'm being transparent i can't say that that ideation don't come up every you know every so often but i have now the tools and preventative measures and support systems in place to you know prevent that that the ideation from coming and seeping in through you know different channels so i think it's so, it's so crucial with even platforms like yourselves of having these conversations and i don't know as many people know about black Hill in the in the the emphasis stages, it was started by black women who, you know, dealt with trauma from black men or dealt or dealt with situations from their fathers, their, you know, husbands, or even seeing uh, children and their family grow up. And the black woman held it down, was like, you know what, I need to, you know, try to help my, my fellow kings, I try to help my- Everybody loves McDonald's fries. So yes, you accused your mom of stealing some of your fries on the way home. Um, but the bag did feel a little light. Full of brothers to, you know, get the healing in the community because we know we need to reinstate them as in their rightful place. Man, we we just gonna jump right into it because y'all, y'all like I I I just wanna take a second to pause and just say I appreciate uh both of you for being vulnerable because I know that that's not easy, especially um, when society tells us that black men always have to have it together, that we always, they always have to be strong. You can't show emotion, right? And so like for you, you fellas to be on the podcast and talking about like, I've, I've experienced this, I've had suicidal ideations, I've been through the Black Men Heal program, that takes a significant level of vulnerability. So I just want to name that and say, I appreciate it. Um, but but that leads to my my first kind of question as we segue into the topic and really start digging more into the mental health of black men. Um, and Reggie, you kind of already alluded to this, but the 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 experience of the advocate or the professional who's helping other people in the room. Right. So black men who are helping other black men and their emotions. Sometimes what I hear as a clinician is that, like, you know, professionals can't help me because. They don't have the experiences. They haven't, they never went through suicide. They don't, they never been to a therapist or whatever. And I wonder like, you know, if, you know, again, you guys can be as vulnerable as you like with this question, but how has your personal experiences made it that much more valuable to other people that you're serving? I mean, I could comment on that because I think 
uh, just based on the way I came up, it's, you know, we pray about everything. So just pray it away. You know what I mean? So, you know, go to church to get, you know, pastor, somebody to lay hands. But the pastor is not a clinician. A pastor is not a psychiatrist. A, a pastor is not a therapist. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, just what Red said, you know, we talk about those burdens and everything that we have on. And even the word says, place all your cares and concerns on me. I mean, one of the reasons why it's it stated that because they, they don't belong to us. So if you if you actually get into a situation or you, you, you're going to see a therapist, then that's the opportunity to release some of those things that are bothering you. That's that's the opportunity for a therapist to, to tell you the coping skills that you can deal with for, for the traumas that you face. And most of the time we, we found out in our virtual free space, you know, we talk about this King's Corner tour that a lot of the traumas that men have or things that happened when they were a child or happened when they were a young man, even for myself. Like, you know, I carried the death of my, my father. My father was killed when I was four years old. Now, I wasn't there. I don't remember that. But I, what I do remember is the oak tree that was there at the funeral. What I do remember was the time that I spent, you know, with my friends or whatever, wishing I did have a dad and, and all the pain that that brought on me. And I carried that for 40 something years. And going to, you know, going through black men, you know, I learned how to release that. And it felt I mean, and that's why I became an advocate for it, because it felt so good to release that. You know, you know, I, I shed tears all the time. Red laughs at me. I'm like, Jeremiah, I'm, I'm the weeping prophet. You know what I mean? Come but, on, prophet. <laughs> you know, but because the thing is, it's it's an opportunity for us to be free. We don't have to carry that on us. And people are educated. People are the master's degree, JDs. I mean, we got uh, our clinical uh, supervisor. She has her JD. I mean, they have the education and the background to deal with people like us. And to give us the, the proper channels to take. Can I can I add to that too? Because I think you posed a great question that kind of is shaping my career. So I was the guy that, oh, you don't know about suicide because you haven't experienced it. So there's nothing you can tell me that come up, up around that. So I was I was completely full transparency transparency, completely against therapy, the mental health system and things of that nature. I was like, you know what? Y'all don't have the experience. I'm going to just talk about it, which started me creating my podcast and, 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 and having conversations around it. But it wasn't until I got into therapy and got the experience and got and seen the tools and the techniques, I was like, oh, there is value in this. And you can't just go talk to a friend and think it's going to be OK. Or you can't just talk to a family member and think it's going to be OK. And the analogy I give everybody all the time is if you see sports, you have the people, the commentators that went to school, they study communication and journalism, and they can uh, talk about the game and critique the game. And then you got the players who played in the game who are now becoming, you know, commentators and they bring a different value of experience as well. The marriage is, is right there in between. If you can get a sports uh, reporter who uh, can learn how to play the game or learn from the experience of the players. And then you have the players who are learning the media side of it and learning the different tools. And I say that as a person that's in school now to try to become a therapist as well, because I want to use the personal experience and combine it with the clinical experience so that way we can deliver the most value as possible. Yeah. And if, if I can make a statement, and I think, Ray, you have a book as well. <laughs> Come on, book. <laughs> we we talk about that uh, later. <laughs> Don't forget, because I, I definitely want to hear about the book. Um, but but Reggie, wait, based on what you were saying, though, I think you bring up such uh, the the value 
of having multiple people in multiple roles in order to kind of aid in this suicide crisis that we're experiencing in the nation. Because I, I do think that the therapist who may not have had that hands-on experience with it is just as valuable as a person who did. And that's why like, I love that multidisciplinary approach, right? So at Black Men Heal, y'all are advocates who are part of the team. There are also clinicians, a part of the team, psychologists. Um, I believe y'all have psychiatrists as well. Uh, I don't know everyone's credential offhand. Okay, so, it, it's right. a lot of them. Like you said, that multidisciplinary. Yeah. I, I'm still finding out that stuff <laughs> that people got that I didn't even know they had on the day, but they just yeah. found out that I was an author. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> I love it because that just really speaks to the strengths of everybody though, right? And so when we create like a, a melting pot of disciplines and uh, people who can offer different perspectives, whether they're clinically or based on experience, I think that's when we can make lasting change. That's when we can really, um, really dig into some of the problems and the issues that people in the community might have, because they might be willing to go to a D. Reed or a, a Reggie before they even step foot into a Dr. Reynolds office. Right. And, and that's not saying that no position is above the other. It's just saying it's, it's different. It's different disciplines. It's different ways in which we touch people. And I do believe, um, you know, the weeping prophet was saying, you know, <laughs> that we have to cast our cares and kind of going from that spiritual angle. I think there's an anointing for all of it. I think just as God anoints people to be a therapist, he can anoint the psychologist, he can anoint the social worker, he can anoint the advocate so that we all can play a role in providing healing to our communities. So um, again, what y'all are, are saying here is dope, it's valuable, and I love it. Um, and and kind of going further into that, so I want y'all to talk a little bit more. Y'all already kind of um, alluded to this before, but to those who might be listening, especially the women who are listening, you said that Black Men Hill was developed by women who were hurt in some way or shape or form by a man, right? So um, whether that was emotionally or what have you. I'm wondering for the women out there who are listening, who are trying to figure out their partners, they're trying to figure out their fathers, trying to figure out their uncles and their cousins and nephews or what have you. I wonder like, what can you tell them about how black men express emotion or like barriers to them expressing emotion? Why they're experiencing some of the things they're experiencing? Well, I think for it's the fact that, you know, you know, we're always taught to be the provider, you know, mm -hmm. just like I said, to put everything on our shoulders. So, you know, in that, you know, there's there's no, no there's no complaining. The only thing we do is work. Only thing we want to do is to, to take care of our family. You know, but what I will tell women is you, you got to be careful with black men, because, you know, even as we, we get it all the time, you know, black men. Well, well my husband, he need therapy. We need to sign him up to, to today. Well, well, sis, you, you can sign him up. But he has to be able it, it takes courage to go see somebody in regards to therapy, to talk about your, your problems and your trauma. So I, I would suggest that they walk with them to 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 get that healing, because it's not going to happen overnight. And you can't push, you know, in any relationship, when you got somebody pushing, 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 then it brings on the dissension. It brings on the discord and it causes problems in relationships. So only thing I would tell you know women is to just to walk with the brother. And then what happens though a lot of times they get frust frustrated because it's like, yo, how long do I got to walk with this guy? But then we got to make sure that he's surrounded with a good nucleus of friends and that and he has a uh, accountability partner as well. For sure, accountability is key. I'll add to that too, and that's why I love me and Unk's dynamic because um, the easiest answer 
to say from from my perspective is that uh, as young men, we don't have the guidance to um, have the conversation with our, our our spouses about how we feel. We don't have the, the vocab, the knowledge, the tools. Um, and then looking back, uh, I just celebrated a birthday and looking back into my earlier years of like expressing emotions, it all it always was met with, you know, putting someone else's first like. Uh, and I'll give you a prime example. When I was there to support my wife when we were having our, our, our firstborn child, I wasn't even crazy. Who needs an alarm in the morning when McDonald's has sausage, egg and cheese McGriddles and a breakfast cut off? Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And supported it and being a father in the room. And so it was like I wasn't acknowledged. It wasn't it was like they were almost trained of a, a father not being in the room. And so I was just almost like chopped liver of like, even though I'm there to try to support the needs and different things, they didn't come to me about any information about the kid or anything. Mind you, you got this person pushing a human through them right now. So you would think if the support system of the person that helped created it is there, you would, you know, reach and lean on to them for support. But I think it's a, a system that doesn't value the contributions of a man. We just talked about Father's Day. I ain't see as many commercials. I was lo- I was looking for gift baskets on the corner of gas stations for people to get the last minute gifts for the father. It wasn't none. Like it wasn't none out there. So even how or even if we do get gifts, it's like all right, let's get dad some socks or let's get dad some things. And where mom is like, no, make sure you get mom the world. I've been just as present and with as a as a father as the mother has, but it, it doesn't feel there's not a space again going back to own perspective. I am learning right now in this moment that. Your feelings don't matter. Now, again, I'm I, I'm in the blessing of being in an organization like Black Hill, but that's not reality. There's not safe spaces everywhere for me to say that. But I'm I'm taught to say, you know, make sure the children is cool, make sure the wife is cool, and then you worry about your needs later. And that I don't think that always is the best practices when you're saying like, hey, no, we want to hear about your feelings. No, you don't, because look at what's around. Yeah. So I wonder, though, so based on what you're talking about in terms of like fathers being in the room, that was pretty much a metaphor of how black men, especially black fathers, are treated in America. Right. Um, You know, black women being incentivized for not having black men in the home. Right. So this is a pattern of the ways in which society treats black men, especially black fathers. Um, And that made me think about even uh, preparing for Father's Day. I think it was like edible arrangements or something. They sent an email out saying that, hey, you know, we understand everybody doesn't celebrate Father's Day, but if you want to opt out of these emails, just click this button. And I'm like, wow, I didn't see this email for Mother's Day. And it really just speaks to the fact of like the, you know, fathers aren't as as valued. And as both of you, and do you read to my, I think you're a father as well, right? You have yes. children. Yeah. I wonder like as a father, as a black man, as a black father, how important is it for you to express emotion, to be vulnerable in front of your children, to talk about emotion, for them to see you going to therapy and being a part of Black Men Hill? Like, like, why is that important? You really had a conversation with your daughter. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it, 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 it's very important to me. And, and actually, even that that emotion or just being vulnerable to have that conversation, because my kids are grown. So mm-hmm. uh, and I get uh, I get divorced. You know, I've been married for 11 years now. Uh, so I had to have that, that hard conversation with, with my daughter, as, as Ray said, and I had to listen. 
you know, because I, I think what what happens is and being a parent, we, we take on the role so much of being a parent and not listening to our children. So we have to have uh, enough sense to be able to have that conversation and be able to listen to what is being said because there are adults. You know, one thing that I, I've learned, too, when, you know, I remember I was coaching my, my, my kids, uh, my, my son, you know, baseball, you know, he's running around acting a, acting a fool. You know, when, you, when your kid acting a fool, it's like, no, nah, my kid don't do that. You know, and, and a guy walked up to me. He said, uh, what's the problem? I said, you know, my son walking around. He said, well, what makes him different than any other kid? And I thought about it. I was like, nothing. He said, you know what? So let a kid be a kid. So now when we take that into account, that's when we talk about this relationship. We talking about the communication. You know, Riz talking about unk. I mean, we come from different generations. I'm a, I'm a baby boomer. But that communication is is vital because now we can't take the stereotype. You know, you know me, I'm a baby boomer. I can't multitask. I can't do anything. You know, for me to talk to a millennial is like, look, y'all trying to do too much. Like, slow down. You know what I mean? So that I think we need to take account that we are human beings. and We need to actually communicate with each other. And, be, and being a father, you have the tendency to, I know I did. And this is just through like being, you know, I'm, I'm a military guy. So I was always stern. And then you got to even be careful with that. But you know, because now the children, you know, at one time they just say I was an incredible Hulk because, you know, when I get mad, you know, but then, you know, I know my my youngest son, he went with me on a couple of different things. I used to work with nonprofits. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, like I said, I'll shed tears and he got an opportunity to, to see that. But yet he also knew he knew who I was. He knew I was a strong black man. But yet I was able to shed the tears and come right back and still maintain that vulnerability and still maintain that strength. That's so important for you to be able to like shed the tears and for your children to actually see it. Mm -hmm. Um, That's one thing I actually preach to the parents that I provide and the families that I provide therapy to. Uh, How can we expect children to be comfortable with their emotions? How can we expect children to be expressive with their emotions? If parents, they're not modeling how to express emotions. They're not modeling, you know, when to, to express anger, sadness, happy, and appropriate ways of coping with that. And I think that that's even more valuable um, for for sons and daughters to see their Black male fathers doing the same thing, especially when society tells us that that Black men don't have emotions or the only emotion that's okay for Black men men to express is anger, right? And so um, you you all dismantling those notions, I think, is is so, so important to the well-being of our children. And if you want to strengthen, yeah, go ahead. Can I add to that? This is the difference in 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 the age bracket. So I am now at the space as a father. Um, I am struggling with that um, because so much of the identity of a man and 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 father is is is, is structured in being stern and firm and teaching him how to you know boom 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 and being structured and teaching him values of life that I haven't learned to navigate being gentle on him as well. And without, you know, quote unquote, making him too soft where people take advantage of him. And so I'm still learning that that because I don't I know the stigma of being an angry black dad and taking out the world problem and bringing it home and trying to figure out that balance. So I'm currently in that that space of trying to balance and wear both hats. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's tough because, again, when you don't know, you don't know. And parenting doesn't come with a rule book. And so you're just trying the best with as, as you can. 
but I probably lean more towards the stern side as I do the vulnerable side. But I think experience and seeing D Reed as much as he, I seen him cried in the vulnerable spaces. He ain't seen me shed one tear yet. Mm-hmm. And that's because I haven't learned to unlock that emotional vulnerability while still being able to uh, be seen as a stern man. Can, can I be honest with you, Reggie? Cause I, <laughs> 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 no, 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 we just gonna have a real life vulnerable moment. I can I can hear that you haven't tapped into it when you were like, well, I'm learning. My emotions don't matter. I, I didn't want to call it out because this ain't a therapy session, but um, but I could I can hear that. I could definitely hear that. So so can uh, D. Reed, am I, can I call you? Unk? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So so because this is where it gets good. Unk, we have a generational gap here. Right. So we have someone who's a are you? Millennial or millennial? You're a millennial. Okay. So we have a millennial black father and we have a baby boomer black father. And so the millennial black father just expressed how he's uncomfortable with kind of like that, that the gentle aspects of like parenting and, you know, providing emotional support out of the fear of his children, like not being, you know, quote unquote soft, right? Because we don't want them to be taken advantage of or to be vulnerable, too vulnerable with the people who um, would take advantage of that vulnerability. So I'm wondering, um, can you provide some message or some sort of advice to Reggie who's struggling with that? Because I feel like listeners might be listening to this and they might be in the same shoes as Reggie. Well, one of, one of the things that I do is I try to set that example for Reggie. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, you know, he'll, he'll question me all the time uh, in reference to how I'm feeling. One thing that I've learned is, you know, your, your feelings are accurate. You know what I mean? But the, I mean, your feelings are valid, but they're not always accurate. Sure. You know what I mean? So his feelings are definitely valid. And it actually goes right into what we get ready to do with our King's Corner tour. All right. You know, can we jump on the gun a little bit? But our, our tour is called Black Men Need Hugs Tour. So we're actually going to talk about the meaning be, behind why black men need hugs. The, the, the fact that maybe they didn't grow up with a, a father. Or maybe the fact that, you know, just the anger uh, of, of not not feeling loved by by their family members. So anything I can do for Reg and we talk about all the time is set the example, you know, and I can only give him my, my my opinion and my experience. I try to give him the experience because I think he's able to identify more with the experience rather than me just talking. Okay. And to his point, he always say, I can just tell you what you do with that is on you. But I can just tell you uh, what I think, and and there's been plenty of times where I'm like, yo, man, I ain't I ain't talking to the wifey. I'm I'm gonna separate over here or doing this. He's like, just hey there. Ever thought about what makes your heart beat a little faster? Oh, you mean like when you discover a new track that just speaks to you? Yeah, or finding a movie that you can't stop thinking about? Well, get ready to feel that excitement all over again because Amazon Prime is here to take your entertainment and shopping experience to the next level. Absolutely. Prime isn't just about getting your packages quicker. It's about diving into a world of endless possibilities, from the latest releases to exclusive content you won't find anywhere else. And don't even get me started on the music. Prime offers concert specials that will transport you right to the front room. It's like being at the hottest gigs without leaving your living room. I use Prime to tap in with some of my favorite artists' live shows from any and every genre of music. Trust me, Prime is a game changer. It's like having a personalized superstore and entertainment hub right at your fingertips. So why wait? Head over to Amazon.com forward slash prime 
and start experiencing entertainment like never before. Give her a call and let her know where you are. I ain't doing that ish, man. I ain't doing that. <laughs> like, and and I, I, again, I guess that's the emotional maturity that, that comes with age and experience and time. And because it's something that I do aim for, but to his point about your feelings being violent, I don't even care if it's wrong in the moment. This is what I feel is right. And I'm going to go with that options, even though I know it's wrong, even though tomorrow when I wake up, even when I'm past this anger in a few hours, and that's the worst part. And that's why I said I'm old enough to know better, but young enough to still relate. Cause sometimes I don't care. Like I just want to do what <laughs> would feel right in that moment. And, and I know for a fact, it's not the best decision. Like in my, in my angered or emotional state, I know it's not the best decision, but I understand why I'm making that decision. And that's why it's so important for black men to be respected and honored. I mean, that is one of the main reasons that I've learned because we got to be able to show the respect, got to be able to show the honor. We got to let these guys know that we care about them. For sure. And I, I think that that's such an amazing um, segue into our Black Men Heal segment and kind of talking more about Black men um, and, and how we can kind of continue to show up for them, especially the, the event that y'all are having, Black Men Need Hugs. So if you all can kind of talk more about that and um, provide us that information, because I, I feel like the listeners are dying to hear that now. Well, I'll say this. You are an amazing host because that was a, a great transition right there. And um, and it, it was smooth because even coming out of parenting um, and having that conversation, I realized that I don't hug my children. I don't kiss. I don't hug. I don't show any, you know, loving, affectionate besides providing and protecting as, as much as I think anyway. Um, and it's because I don't even know what that looks like for me. So I cannot give something that my dad or an older male or a mentor has never given me. And my mom was a, 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 a woman that came from the islands. I'm a first generation American. So the island has the Caribbean has its own you know way of dealing with life. And then when you come over here and you got to fight for everything and you got to you know earn everything, her love was providing. And so if I don't have a gentle bone in my body because I was never given it, it's hard for me to, you know, give it back. So hence why, you know, one of the slogans with that even Black Men Hill started was Black Men Need Hugs. Just, you know, I never felt like a bear hug from a man. Like I felt the, and D-Reed, you can get into the types of hugs, but I never felt the, 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 that, you know, level of love from a, a, a person that I valued and, and, and felt that they valued me back. And so, I know I'm not alone in that experience. And we wanted to highlight that within this tour and, and going into the communities. And it was like, how many other brothers feel that same way? How many other brothers just need a hug from another brother to know that they're valued and they loved and they respect it? And it, it's different from a woman. It's, it's almost actually, and, and doctor, you could tell me that that safe and nurturing feel that a woman probably feels when, when a certain type of man hugs them, that's probably what a lot of men want to feel too, that safe and nurturing feeling of protection. And it's like, no, I got you. I love you. And things like that. I think we probably want to feel that as well, but it, it's not often given if that makes sense, but I'll turn it over to D Reed to, you know, explain the tour as well. <laughs> well, I, I'll go back a little bit uh talk about black man here as far as, you know, when it started, it's, 2018. And, you know, and the mission behind Black Men Heal was to remove the stigma around mental health, uh, cultural competency, providing a, a therapist and client of color uh, together, and of course, providing the free therapy. And one of the things that we found out in 2020 was that when, after the death of George Floyd, we had such a backlog of men wanting the free therapy. So we had to come up like, what, 
what can we do? I mean, what, what is it that we can do? So we come up, we came up with our King's Corner, which is a virtual free space. We do it every Sunday at 7 p.m. We've been rocking this thing for over two years. We talk about everything that affect black men. And one of the things that we found out in this space, like I said before, one of the things we found out in this space that black men just want to come in there and just just be be vulnerable, be able to share. And because a lot of times we found out that they they can't they maybe they can't share it at home. You know, they they, they can come in this space. And once again, we talk about 35, 40 guys on the call and open themselves up and there and there there's no judgment. You know, so now we got this opportunity. We did it last year. We had a short tour, uh, Philadelphia, Richmond uh, and New York. This year, with more money and sponsorship and with the black men need hugs, we're going out. We're, we're talking about it's more about the respect and acknowledgement. So when we talk about the respect and the acknowledgement, we're going back to the basic. We're going back to the head nod. You, you know, like you say, you know, we say what's up. That's the acknowledgement of a brother. Like, OK, yeah. You know, then we go into the head handshake. We, we've discovered and found out that even with the history of the handshake that happened in the Vietnam War, where brothers were in the war, that was their way of expressing the, the brotherly love within themselves. And then we learned about the hugs. We learned about the, the side hug. We learned about the half hug and we learned about the full embrace. So we're going out to show these brothers, going back to the basic. We talk about that foundation. We're going back to that foundation to actually rebuild these brothers, to inspire them, to motivate them, you know, to help them become a better man. And to set the example, you said there's a generation gap. You know, Reg is the millennial. I'm the baby boomer. To show you two different what you know, two different opinions and how we approach it, but yet we're able to affect the masses. It seems like I need to be at this this uh, <laughs> black men hill. I know I'm not a black man, but the way y'all are describing it, like it, it just it seems like there's going to be a lot of information disseminated, and people are going to really learn about vulnerability, how we where we can be vulnerable, and like the different levels of that. Um, so so yeah, it sounds like an amazing event. Can y'all tell us when it's going to be? Brett, I was going to say cover that and, and cover the self care station. Um, yeah, so it's going to be, so I, I don't know when the episode is coming out, but it's going to be the, uh, June 25th. Um, we are in current stages of planning the next uh, cities, uh, uh, which will be Atlanta, Chicago, uh, Houston, tentatively right now. We're still working out the final details for that, but we're trying to expand it um, and keep on hitting the cities and talking to the men about different conversations. Like D-Ree said that that side hug, I didn't even realize that what that side hug meant. Like, yeah, hey, you know, I really, I don't know you too much, but I want to show you some respect, some love, the full embraces. Like, yo, I really support you and I really trust you and then embrace you. And then, uh, you know, uh, what's the, the, the half hug or, or whatever the case may be is like, you know, I dap you on the back. I got that. Like, we, we you know, showing some type of love to each other. But um, yeah, we're going to have free food, self-care stations. Um, we having a masseuse. Um, I think uh, who else is in oh, yoga and meditation. Um, and it's just going to be a nice uh, time to network fellowship and be in that safe space that we're all looking for. Well, one thing we find out with King's Corner is it could be your first session, your fifth, your 20th, your two year anniversary of being in the space from the beginning. They always feel valued in the space because it's a collective of men that's having conversations about things that matter to the men. And I think that is a the unique thing that is happening in that space because it's not happening everywhere where these are men that don't know each other. They're getting on a computer, 
with some people that they met from California. We got people from California staying up. We got people in New Zealand, uh, Canada. New Do you read the, the, the country thing is, is when I looked at the numbers, it's all, it's really all over the place. I think I seen like, it was just some wild Honolulu, like it just people that staying in the space that's all and from different and all walks of life coming in that space. And we've been doing it virtually for two years, but these past, you know, few ones we've been trying to keep creating and come in person to love on each other and embrace. And we, every time we see any brother in, in, in a different city that we only seen virtually for a certain amount of time, they embrace us like we known them forever because you build that and you see how love connections can be made online. We bring in fellowship and brotherhood online and bringing it in person as well. Man, bringing in fellowship online and bringing it in person. I think that's so important, um, especially as, you know, the things that we've experienced during the pandemic, people feeling so isolated, right? Um, I, I know there are a lot of people out there who might not even know how to be vulnerable. They don't know how to, like, accept a hug or to even give a hug because the, the anxiety associated with, like, social settings, especially since the pandemic, has, like, been through the roof. So I think the 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 degrees of dopeness that this is, is like multifaceted, uh, if I could put it that way, because I, I think that so many people are going to be impacted by this. Um, so y'all said it's, it's on June the 25th. Uh, what day is that? Saturday. That's a Saturday. Okay. All right. So I'm going to definitely try to get the episode out before that, because I want people to come out to y'all's event. So listeners, that means y'all getting two episodes uh, this week. So <laughs> to bear with me, it might not be edited and chopped up perfectly, uh, but but y'all y'all still going to love me. Um, so no, I appreciate y'all's time. Like y'all, y'all have been amazing. Uh, Reggie, Unc, I'm going to start calling you that from now on. I, I hope <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they all do. So it's cool. <laughs> uh, but let us know where we can find y'all. Um, Reggie, I didn't forget about that book. So when you're closing out, make sure you tell us about it. If you went on a road trip and you didn't stop for a Big Mac or drop a crispy fry between the car seats or use your McDonald's bag as a placemat, then that wasn't a road trip. It was just a really long drive. At participating McDonald's. <laughs> yeah, you can actually find me. I'm on all social media streams. Uh, Douglas uh, underscore M. Reed on uh, Instagram. Of course, Blackman Hill. Uh, all, all social media streams uh, and just reach out. We're always willing to talk We, you know, DM us, whatever. We'll definitely get back to you. We're just trying to love on the people. Yeah. And myself at Blackman Hill, we, we, we use the Blackman Hill page, but also at Reginald A. Howard, the way, same way my name is spelled um, to follow me personally. Uh, I do answer and have conversations around there, especially it podcasts. I'm talking, I'm putting my bid in for Dr. Sean to come on my podcast too. Like <laughs> I'm putting the bid in now. Um, and then the, uh, as far as the book, the book is uh, called Suffering into Success, um, a paradigm shift of struggle to achieve happiness. And th that basically talks about how uh, everyone wants success, but no one wants the struggle to get there. And I, I, I use analogies like um, a woman having a baby, like they really, they're ready to put their body through stretch marks and, back aches and sleepless nights and things of that nature for the goal of getting the baby, um, which is worth the the, the nine months that they, they have to go through that. Um, the Going into the gym, breaking your muscles down, your muscles literally have to break in order for them to be built stronger and get the ideal body. And then the last one that really got me was when I found out how um, a diamond is formed and it starts off as a piece of rock. It got to go, people die in them diamond mines trying to get it. It go to some heat and pressure. 
And then at the end of it, you get this beautiful diamond that everyone loves and cherishes. But you got to go through all of those other things to get to that. And so um, that was just using some of the analogies that I learned along the way, encompassed it with my story and hoping that people have a, a different take on struggles and suffering and hopefully, uh, you know, put it in a different viewpoint because the success would be worth it. That's my nephew. Amazing. Amazing. Y'all have been amazing guests. Um, and if people can't go to the, the actual event, how can they support you all from where they are? I mean, they, I mean, of course, you know, one of the major major things is like they can always donate to a nonprofit organization and the money goes toward the, uh, the free therapy of, of black men. Uh, but definitely stay in tune to, you know, follow us on social media because we will have a videographer there. We will be doing some footage. Uh, I think me and Reg will probably do some lives to kind of keep people abreast as far as what we're doing. So, you know, through our social media uh, channels, you can find us uh, across, you know, even on TikTok. You can follow us across the board. It, sharing, sharing, sharing. And if you're a man, you can join our King's Corner Sundays when we're not on tour and we're not, you know, in different cities. We're there every Sunday night at 7 p.m. Eastern. Um, and then also we have the, the group for the ladies called Hill with Him. Um, that uh, women can join as well. And it's the, you know, the woman version of what King's Corner is. Um, and, you know, just support and sharing and liking and tell somebody about Black Men Hill. Because that, 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 if you don't spend a dime, just sharing and letting the person know is worth it just as much. Absolutely. Awesome. Awesome. I'm so happy that y'all had a chance to drop by. It's definitely been a pleasure hosting the both of you. Hey, well, Thank we appreciate you. Absolutely. Absolutely. And for those of you who are watching, make sure that you connect with these two gentlemen. Uh, they always have things going on, especially for black men. And we definitely need that in our communities. If we want to strengthen the black community, we have to start with the black family. If we want to strengthen the black family, we have to deal with black fathers. So I'm appreciative of y'all both. Um, and so make sure y'all follow them. And don't forget, y'all, catch me next Wednesday and you have the power to create the emotions that you want to experience. All right. God bless. If you went on a road trip and you didn't stop for a Big Mac or drop a crispy fry between the car seats or use your McDonald's bag as a placemat, then that wasn't a road trip. It was just a really long drive. Bada ba ba ba. At participating McDonald's.